kicks it out towards the big Ruckman. Thomas was in the front spot that time. Ball hits the deck. Handball over the top. Martin, he couldn't quite trap it, but had the skill to go after it again. Make that three. Make that three, you little beauty. He's a superstar, Kyle Martin. And he slammed through his first on the Grass. Who's going to claim the ball? It's just falling out of hands. Now, can we have a shot at goal? It's against Spice! It's Spice! He's picked it up and he's just put it on the left. Surrey Park do the impossible and make Division 4 interesting. Fair Park keep themselves in with a chance, sending Furniture Galley back to the bottom in the process. Heathmont enter the race once again. Monterna South win two in a row. Berwick mess up, Park Orchards party and much, much more. Welcome to the Eastland Monday Recovery with myself, Matthew Fodier, Gavin Casey, Josh Ward and Ryan Long. Gentlemen, it's all starting to shape up. Gav, we talk about it every week now that we're past the turn. Every single game has more and more uh, connotations. That's it. Um one step forward, one step back for a few sides in the, some of the divisions, but it's getting <laughs> exciting because it's not predictable, which is uh, fantastic about Aussie rules footy. And, and the, the big result, as we'll get touch on in a second, Surrey Park knocking off Sylvan makes Division 4 now. The, I think we were coming into yesterday's game saying it's pretty much a, a one-horse race, but now it's, it, it is open and you know, there's a, a formula to beat that side and it, you know, we'll get stuck into that soon. And Scoops Ward will be um, over the moon with that result. <laughs> but uh, a, a great day for you yesterday, Scoops. Yeah, couldn't have asked for a better week to get me on the Monday recovery, mate. But yeah, it, uh, it definitely leaves the Division 4 wide open, which is great because, you know, I definitely thought it was a, a one-horse race as well. But yeah, sorry, get up. And it makes it just that little bit more interesting Absolutely. So we are going to talk to uh, Surrey Park's new coach, James Kempworthy, in a second. It, it, the, uh, they got out to a really hot start, six six goals forward or one behind. Um, and when Paul Yukoni said that in the score centre, we all started to sort of doubt him. We, that can't be right. But um, it, it turned out to be correct. And, and Sylvan, look, to be honest, won the second half in the end, nine goals to four. But Surrey Park had done the damage. They held on uh, four goals to Smith in the best on ground performance. And we've got James on the line. James, you've had an immediate impact, mate. You've only been in the job for a fortnight. And you've um, knocked off Forest Hill by 100 or so points and then rolled Sylvan. It must be pretty easy. <laughs> Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, um, yeah, yeah awesome go on. Start. Get, yeah, that awesome first quarter, mate, that's going. six goals. What's going on there? Uh, well, yeah, it's been a focus for us for the, these last two weeks. Obviously, round three against Sylvan, they jumped up. It was the, um, quite a lot of six goals for them to zero goals for us. So, yeah, it was a real focus this week to um, start well. Uh, James, what's been the key to, to to knocking them off, especially in that that first half where you had so much uh, control of the game? Is it is it you know we've debated this you know without actually watching them live, but is it through the midfield? Is is that where you won it um, and was just able to stop you know them getting it down down their end and and creating uh, the forward fifties yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we all know post from their forward line is so got to stop it at the source. Um, and yeah, our mid went to work in that first quarter and got first use and got into our full line relatively quickly. So um, yeah, it's definitely the plan moving forward. And, and you've got to be impressed with your back six, especially in that last quarter when they were they were coming home strong and you were able to hold them off. And you know, with guys like Frickerelli and, and Kimpton and, and even Lynch down there, um, how impressed were you with the the back six and, and just uh, holding strong? Oh, absolutely. That was good. Um, yeah, the ball was coming in hot that last quarter. They were really um, coming for us. And yeah, for them to hold up, especially the likes of Riley Tempany down there on Kimpton, um, Jack McFarren down there. Yeah, the boys really uh, held firm. 
And James, you know, a couple of the youngsters as well, they've they've made an, an impact this season. You know, Tom Smith, best on ground, four goals. Noah Cann and Mark Steiner have come in in recent weeks and have made an immediate impact. Uh, Renan Falahi has been terrific this season as well. How impressed have you been with how well they fit into the senior side this season? It's been really awesome to have them in. Um, obviously, 19's not getting up. Um, they've built it through to the senior group uh, really easily. So, just on yesterday, we had six 19s in the team, and one of them was a um, debutant in Jamie Glare. Um, and yet, they're all all young and energetic, so just got to harness their positive energy and just let them play footy. And also, and they're all capable of and also, you've got players coming back into the side, for, back to the club as well. You know, yourself come from Blackburn, Parker Fox from from Baldwin, Daniel Smart after a year off. You, you must be also impressed with how well they impacted, they've played in the side so far this year as well. Yeah, absolutely. Smart has been a massive for us. Um, just his energy around the city. Um, he was one of the best last week. And yeah, Parker Fox is a really crafty small forward um, when he's on his Really on hard to stop. James, well done on the victory yesterday. Um, what uh, fascinates me is the last quarter because we can all talk about playing well and getting on top of an opponent, but when the opponent's an undefeated behemoth of the competition, that 24-point um, lead, did that evaporate quickly? And how did the game fall in? And Because I just want to uh, ask you about holding up how proud you are of the boys and what that brings to the to the side going forward. Well, the boys were really resilient yesterday. We lost Mark Steiner early in that third quarter um, for a shoulder injury, and then our backup rucker, Matt, Matt Pollock, went down early in the last quarter. So we were down um, two rotations that whole last quarter pretty much. Um, so the boys were really up against it, and just to hold on and to fight was um, really pleasing. And what it, the mood in the club rooms must have been fantastic last night. And, and every time there's a, a transition to a new coach, the energy levels change. What do you think you brought to the club in the short term? And, and, and what's the, if I can paraphrase, the vibe down at uh, the pit at the moment? Uh, the energy and positivity around the place has been awesome the last two weeks. Obviously, um, training has been really up and about. Um, and if you're having fun on a Tuesday, Thursday night, that translates into game day. Um, yeah, everyone's just been really up and about, and that's what I've tried to implement to everyone, is just to have fun and enjoy it and get around your mate. And, and James, I don't know if you originally planned to be senior coach at this stage of the year when you first came down, but is coaching something you're really keen to get into, and, and how have you found the, the first two weeks on game day? Because I don't think you played yesterday, so will you have to transition into playing coaching as well? Uh, yeah, so I broke my thumb back in round three, so been been off the park for a little while. But um, yeah, I came across as a just a backline coach um, and was hoping to play play a full year. Um, and yeah, as it turned out, um, sort of fell into my hands to be interim head coach. So um, yeah, still got a few things to work on to get that coaching group um, sort of for when me and Hamish return to playing. So hopefully we're back in a two or three weeks. And, and then what uh, did you get any messages from other coaches around the comp, mate, asking for a few tips? Because um, we obviously <laughs> were at a Croydon North yesterday and, and, Cl- and they were pretty much ignoring Sylvan a, as an opponent and just sort of ma- measuring themselves up against everyone else. So uh, no one else has chipped in? 
No, not yet. Probably haven't got your number yet, mate. That's probably why. (laughs) Um, But, uh, Ryan, Gav, anything more for for James? Well, just uh, if we were talking, I know it's hard for a coach to talk about the analytics, but this is huge because we were talking Sylvan up to be 10 goals better than the rest of the comp, and that was just on pure statistic performances. So, James, does it feel like the gap is now so narrow that, you know, you can go into the final with so much more confidence and, and it's up for grabs now, where maybe a week ago the feelings were different. Yeah, absolutely. I feel um, anyone on their day can can go out there and um, perform. Um, it, sometimes we overthink footy and footy can be a really simple game, so it's just winning that hard ball um, in the middle and getting it forward. If we have the possession, they don't have a chance to get it forward, so... Um, Stopping them from having the footy just works in our favour. Well, James, I guess uh, sometimes the simplest answer is the correct one. So, well done on uh, your first two weeks coaching, mate. So far, so good. And uh, congratulations to you and the rest of Surrey Park for, uh, as I said off the top, making Division 4 a little bit more interesting. Hopefully, we'll chat to you guys uh, further down the line. Cheers. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. James Kenworthy there, uh, interim, I guess, technically, uh, Surrey Park coach, Josh. But he's doing a pretty good job. Obviously, last yeah. week against Forest Hill might have been more of a... Um, a free hit, not a free hit, an easier punching bag. But this win yesterday, you know, we we muted it a little bit, uh, muted it, sorry, on the weekend forecast. That the bigger ground might be Silver's yeah. kryptonite and it, it proved to be. Yeah, I think so. It's definitely a lot different to grounds they would have played on already this season. You know, Sylvan, their ground is, is and, you know, Hughes Park, Coonong Reserve and Kimberley Reserve aren't the biggest grounds around. But, yeah, Surrey Park, you've got those you've got those pretty fat, you've got wide wings and you've, mm. it's a lot longer between the big sticks. So I think that definitely probably played a factor, especially in that first quarter where the Panthers got and off to um, a quick start. It's something Surrey Park, Gav, will, will want to latch on to because finals are definitely going to be at either Ringwood or East Burwood for this division. So okay. um, <laughs> they're going to they're gonna come across Bigger a big ground. ground. Ringwood yeah. is obviously just gigantic and East Burwood's quite long. Yeah, well, so if we're going to give a true analysis of the differences, will Sylvan worry about the run of Surrey Park um, in finals, is that somewhere something that if James can get a running game going, possession out of the middle? Only, only Sylvan will now be supporting Churnside because they've clearly got well, not clearly, but they've got Churnside's number. It would seem they've played them twice and, and smacked them. Um, and Surrey Park have obviously beaten them and then only lost by six goals. So, but Surrey Park yeah. haven't beaten Churnside yet. So <laughs> Sylvan will be supporting Churnside all the way through the, the final series. It seems the the first thing Dave Nillens does today is get up the sportscast coverage and have a look at how they beat them. And it, from, from the sounds of, um, you know, listening to James, it seems to be the, through the midfield. And, and you've mentioned that comparing them to Coldstream last year, Coldstream had a, a much stronger midfield and were dominant in that area. Sylvan's strength is clearly their, their forward line. They've got the targets up forward who can kick, you know, four or five goals a game. Um, and that's probably the, you know, the way to beat them. If you, you, you can, you know, win the ball out of the middle and, and put their defense under pressure and, and, score when you get the chances as they did in the first quarter that's you know could be the key yeah and they've got a talented midfielder to that sorry park you know mark steiner has come in the last couple of games and has made an immediate impact and kick goals and yeah he's he usually gives his midfielders first juice you know ryan kennedy he's been a, a warrior all these years ollie anderson mitch gale you've got daniel smart who who's also coming and made an immediate impact as James said as well. So yeah, they've got they've got the midfield that can take it up to Sylvan and, and they've got the Ruckman too that can take it up to a James Charge who has also been pretty impressive for the Cats this year. So yeah, I think it'll definitely come down to that the next time they face them later in the year and finals as well. 
Do you think the president um, at last night's function would be pulling out a piece of paper, even if it was a napkin, and go, sign here, James, one more year? Is, 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 well, or would James well, be going, uh, well, maybe uh, I should sign yeah, well, something? Ja- yeah, well, James has got all the power now, doesn't he? He's, he's the mastermind. He, he holds the secret files on how to beat Silverman. But it's a massive win. It brings them, well, pretty much consolidates third spot because we saw Kilsyth, uh Ryan beat Croydon North by oh, six or seven goals in the end. It was always comfortable. Croydon North, to their credit, kept coming. And at different times, had the dominance of the play but couldn't get back-to-back goals. Whenever they would break through and close the margin back to three or four goals, uh, Kilsoth would find one out of the preceding um, centre bounce or centre clearance. And, and what it does for Kilsoth is it keeps them a win ahead of Forrest Hill who had a big win over Nutter Wadding by 90 points, Jake Rowe kicking eight goals. So Division 4 now is starting to take a little bit of shape. Croydon North will consider themselves still a chance but they'll have to roll Forrest Hill again and get Kilsoth at the third time of asking. They do, and I think they're probably just that, you know, one more year off. I think they've shown a lot of improvement, even yesterday in times that, you know, going forward, they looked looked all right. They looked a bit dangerous at times, but the centre clearances probably really hurt them in the end. You had guys like Henschel and Van Veen who just seemed to find plenty of space, especially on the, the transition when they turned the ball over. Uh, Kilsyth were out, and they had plenty of numbers, and they Kilsyth, seemed to be Kilsyth caught out of nice position, forward didn't they? As well. Yeah, so, well, yeah, I mean... Yeah, we Curry, talked. Goodenson, Foley, yeah. O'Neill kicked four, um, and, and Jared Arthur provides a marking target. So they had they had plenty, got plenty down there. Yeah, they've got plenty of options, which is which is important for them, especially when they yeah. they, they play the top three sides. And it's definitely important for them as well because you know the last couple of years they were heavily reliant on Ryan Goodenson up forward. He's kicked goals this year, yeah, but you know only the one goal yesterday. So they definitely do have that spread. But yeah, it sets them up well for the next three weeks because they've got. I think it's Churnside Park at Kimberley Reserve, Sylvan, and then Surrey Park at home with a buy in between Sylvan and Surrey Park. So if they can pick their fourth spot, I reckon, is almost theirs. But if they've they can got, pick They've got up, to beat Forest Hill, don't they? Yeah, yeah, it's going to come yeah. down to the Forest Hill game. And I think at the moment it's one and one between the two sides. But Forest Hill have obviously dropped one to Croydon North and, and Kilsyth haven't. So. Yeah, and, but if they pick up a win against one of those sides, and I reckon. You know, potentially against Churn's side, maybe against Surrey as well. They are they can definitely pick up a win against what other is, one of those. Is Sylvan at Pinks? Ah, uh, Sylvan's at Pinks as well. Well, Pinks so. is quite a big ground too. Yeah, uh, so. I think it's a, a lot bigger gap to close. But we're, if we're all going to go on the theory that the bigger ground helps Surrey Park, mm-hmm. it, it might help Kilsyth. But so the latter there, so Sylvan remain on top. They're a game clear at Churnside and shitloads of percentage. <laughs> it, it's a, not a delicate term, but that's the only term I can think <laughs> no, of. Very technical. Um, Churnside, a percentage under 100, despite sitting centre on the ladder. Uh, Surrey Park in third on 24 points, but their percentage is around about the 150 mark, and, and they're a game clear at Kilsyth, who were then a further game clear at Forest Hill, and then Croydon North on 12 points, Nutter Wadding on zero. So, yeah, it's going to Croydon North slipping away, um, but as Ryan said, they're, they're probably just a year off um, of really competing for that final spot, and then Forest Hill and Kilsyth look like they're going to battle it out for the last spot. While Surrey Park, despite being third, seemed to be the uh, the second seed in that division. We'll roll into Division Three now. We've got Sean Stanton um, on the other side of our first break, but we'll talk about a few other games in Division Three. And we'll start at Warrandyte, uh, where the Bloods they kicked four behinds in the last quarter to uh, three goals, but they managed to hold on uh, to win by four points. Uh, Cold Stream coming home strong, eleven seven, but it was Warrandyte eleven eleven, winning that one seventy seven to seventy three. Mitch Edmonds kicked five goals for Cold Stream, whilst uh, Myers, Grimes, and White were best on for Warrandyte. Warrandyte in the second spot again. Gav Coldstream dropped down into fourth, but they're still a game and a half clear of Scoresby, who went ten to Donvale in a high-scoring one hundred and two to ninety-four. So, some good footy in there. Yeah, but sometimes it's not how; it's just 
So you just got to accumulate the points because you. That's Warren probably been the story of Warren Dot's year, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, they just need to qualify. That uh, yeah, the win against Waverly Blues early, and this one where they've hang on, hang on, they'll just collect the eight points and take it to the to the bank in the finals. Well, they've beaten all three of the top four at home, so so they are, and by less than a goal each time. So so is the worry that they won't won't play a final at home? Yeah, well. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's likely. <laughs> so, is there home comforts that they can't take with them? Not sure, mate. It is quite a Warren. It's quite a narrow ground. Again, another one. It's a bit pretty unique. It's not small, but it's not big. It's mm. it's yeah. It's a, it's a unique well, shape. And and, and yeah. clubs like footy, you train on it a, a thousand times. You're probably going to know some uh, little inconsistency. But it, it, it's a similar trend in Division Three. Obviously, Whitehorse are an infinitely better side at home. Yeah, well, they uh, tested Scoresby, Waverley. <laughs> yeah, Scoresby have proven to be you know pretty strong at home compared to when they're away. So and Coldy, I think, have them also yeah, home either. So it's, it seems to be that sort of. What's Warren Dyke's uh, injury list like? I know they've uh, been complaining a little bit that they haven't. So had So Ryan, Ryan Phillips is the only one I really know of off the top of my head, and Jordan Powell at the moment uh, that are out. That I know of, but I'm sure there's others. They, they were just—I think they were just saying each week they were getting players back, and then they lose other ones, and haven't been getting much consistency. So I'm not sure when their buy is, but they might be trying to just get through to the buy. I think they've got Furniture Gully in a couple of weeks. They might have Donvale next week. Yeah, Donvale next week. So Donvale, Furniture Gully, uh, and then they might be looking White at Whitehorse buy. Whitehorse buy. Yeah. So they've yeah. got a fairly tricky run to the buy. If they can come away with that with a couple of wins. Um, no, none of those games. None of those games are easy because no. Whitehorse will be at Whitehorse. Yep. Furniture Gully are at, you know finals bound, um, <laughs> and Donvale are a different team at home. You know, and a quick shout out to Donvale, a high scoring game out at Scoresby. So Donvale sixteen six to Scoresby fourteen ten. So the 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 Scoresby version of the Magpies actually had two more scoring shots. Um, goals were shared. James Rouser kicked three. Ben Bronze Geese kicked four for Scoresby. Um, Scores would be a little bit annoying. They had a two-goal lead at halftime, mm. Josh. But Don Vale, like Gav said, just doing enough to get the points and, and consolidating their top four spot. Yeah, and it was all thanks to that that clinicalness of that forward line. You know, 16-6, you, you don't normally see teams only kicking the six behinds every day. But yeah, great great accuracy from them. And, you know, Nick Murphy and Zach Haig coming back into the fold. They've, you know, yeah, they're getting closer to full strength. Yeah, and Haig was named best nine and kicks two goals as well. Murphy kicks two goals as well. So they're definitely getting close back back to full strength. But Scoresby won't be too disheartened by this. This is a, a competitive result against, well, it's out at Scoresby Recreation Reserve, but this is still against a Donvale side where we expected them to finish pretty high up this year. But yeah, it's um, a, gr- a group of good victory for Donvale. Yeah. Much needed. Just get the points, as Gav said. Scoresby will just be Pretty shirty that they didn't roll Glen Wavid last week because they would. The Coldstream are now pretty vulnerable, Gav. Um, and Whitehorse and Scores will both be kicking themselves because they've both lost to Glen Waverley at Glen Waverley. And we'll talk about the Hawks um, on the other side of the first break with Sean Stanton. But both Whitehorse and Scores have missed opportunities to close the gap on Coldy, who, who, despite being inconsistent, especially away from home, are a game and a half clear. Well, what my read on uh, Scoresby would be disappointed on is that they rarely average over 10 goals. Yeah, well, to... that, the highest, the shootout style I didn't expect. And and that's another part of it is that they can shut down games in the contest and to allow the ball to go in for only 22 shots, what are they doing to allow <laughs> yeah. 16 of them to go through the yeah. middle? We'll have to look at the highlights. If they're popping them in from the uh, from the arc, um, then you've you just got to hold your hands up. But yeah, if they're getting easy shots on goal, that'll be something that Christian Bardsley won't be happy with. Yeah, because you can do... Every time you try to open up your game a little bit, it exposes you on the other end. So it's, they're not professionals. They can't all run back 
a million no. miles an hour and get behind the ball when they have a turnover. So well, is there a way? We saw, we saw that at Hughes Park yeah. yesterday, Ryan. There was a few players that just didn't even try. <laughs> so it's one of those things where if you want to score more, you've got to realise that there's a consequence to yeah. having a more open you, style. You, if you're going to play that, you've got to have like two or three lockdown defenders that are, like if you compare it to Carlton, yeah, they've got weedering, so they just sort of hope hope that he stays fit because he can do it all. But if you don't, if you're playing team defence, you sort of have to, um, yeah, you have to say we're not going to score as much. And we see that in the high divisions. Blackburn have gone to a team defence by the looks of it or, or consolidated it more and have decided yeah. they're not going to kick as many scores. Just a random uh, comment looking at the scores um, last night. It was a lot of low scores. So there's obviously a lot of teams have gone, I don't think we can compete. Yeah, we don't have, we... Yeah, we don't have the star power. Yep. So that seems a feature of a lot of results we'll get into later. And it might be something that Whitehorse did, Ryan, because they've come up against the Wavy Blues side, who have taken all before them um, this year and in pretty high-scoring fashion. Uh, but Whitehorse, we did say, or on the weekend forecast, or again, another thing we, we mooted, was that maybe Whitehorse's unique ground um, could play, um, wreak havoc with Waverley. And Whitehorse started really well, three goals to one in the first. Um, Waverley hit, hit the front at half time and just continued to hold on. The last quarter was three behinds apiece, so that one might have finished just a flat 20. Yeah. Um, yeah. And not, not much time on in that last one. Two goals to Nick in, uh, to English and Perry, um, only one to Williamson, so Whitehorse doing some good things down there. Hogan, Hulk Hogan, doing, <laughs> kicking three for Whitehorse. Um, in that one. So Whitehorse, it's like Scoresby, they'll be over, not overjoyed, but they'll be very happy with the way they performed against a great side, but then they'll be kicking themselves that they didn't take opportunities early in the year against the likes of Glenn Waverley and, and Furniture Gallery. Yeah, they certainly will, and, and I think they were probably pretty close against Waverley Blues the first time. It was a different sort of game. It was a, it was a high-scoring game. I think both sides are either hit hit a hundred or they were very close to it. So it's it's a different different type of game and as we said they're a much better side at home. No Padbury there yesterday probably was maybe the um the missing, you know, focal point up forward which probably hurts them. But look, you, you, you take you take what you can get against Waverley Blues and to keep them to, to just eight goals um for a game is is pretty you know, pretty impressive, Josh. Yeah it is and well it was pretty inaccurate kicking out. I think that's what did kill Whitehorse not having Andrew Papery because they kicked five goals, 11. Yeah. Harry Hulk Hogan, a great performance, a good performance from him, three goals. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I think that's, yeah, that might've hurt Whitehorse, but yeah, they'll definitely take a lot out of this result and shows that, you know, if they do play, for, if they do play finals and potentially against Waverley Blues, they can take it up to them. I think it's just that from their, their best performances to their worst is a, quite a big difference so mm. you know at, at their best they definitely could you know yeah. slot into a fourth spot but they're just probably not the probably haven't had the consistency from a week-to-week basis and, mm. and you can't trust them away from home to to pinch one against you know one of the top sides well and the problem is that they might get dragged into um, a bit of a mess if they can't get an away win um, both the sides in, in terms of scores being and, and Whitehorse because, um, yeah, it's it's getting tired at the bottom. French Gully had the bye. They're now back on the bottom. But we'll talk more about that and the reason why they're there after the break. We'll go to this break and then we'll talk, be on the line with Fair Park coach Sean Stanton who uh, they broke a long wait between drinks with a win over Glen Waverley yesterday. Joel wheels around to his left, goes long inside 50, coming down just about half forward through the hands, going inside 50. They've got to try and get their hands on this Finn Brown. Finn Brown, brilliant. Can he kick the goal? Finn Brown, he has! Eastland's new sporting precinct, the circuit, has arrived. Race into the circuit for customised kicks, giveaways, streetwear, new stores and more. Visit eastland.com.au for more details.
Out of David Langer. He must have just stepped up his line there, guys. And uh, Big Gordon, not quite um, a dainty man, just snuck up on him and, <laughs> and took him out. And he's he's kicking into what is a strong breeze. He's going to probably aim for the right-hand goalpost. And this to bring the Tigers back to within four points. Yep. Very close to the man on the mark, though, here, Brash. The big fella. Didn't look comfortable, but he struck it pretty That's nicely. Right. Two and a minute for the Tigers. He's given it the double code. Welcome back to the Eastland Monday Recovery. Uh, Division 4 done and dusted, and we've done most of the games in Division 3. But we've kept one to last because uh, a very, very interesting result out at Central Reserve. Glenn Waverley had the opportunity to, to pull themselves out of a bit of a quagmire. They would have maybe even jumped into fifth spot, such as the closeness of that middle rung in Division 3. But they couldn't get the job done over Fair Park, who have now won six in a row against the Hawks. They've got the wood over them. Uh, Glen Waverley led by six behinds at three-quarter times after at three-quarter time after a five-goal uh, to one third quarter. But Fair Park came home. Must be blowing a gale out at Central yesterday, Josh, because Fair Park kicked five goals to three in the last. Got home 12-7 to 10-14. Uh, goals to Gilling, Byrne, Need, uh, Dulgueras, Fabrizio, Carlin, Dadswell, McKendry and Temple. And we've got Sean Stanton on the line. Sean, uh, a long time between drinks for your boys, mate. But you, you, to be fair to you guys, you haven't put your head down at any, any point this year. You've kept fighting on. Yeah, no, it was good to hear um, so many goal kickers. So I think over recent weeks, we've been averaging five or six goals. So it was good to hear um, hear those names there. But yeah, you're right. I think, uh, yeah, we haven't been great, but I don't think we've been as bad as what um, the score has reflected. I felt even last week against Fentry Gully, our first half was really good, really competitive. And we're probably the better team for much of that first half last week. But um yeah, we dropped away horribly in the in the second half, and that's a challenge for us to to play uh, four quarters of good footy, and we're able to do it yesterday, which was pleasing. Uh, tell us about the conditions out there, because you guys kicked of your twelve goals, you kicked uh, ten of them in the second last quarter. So I'm assuming there was um, a pretty strong breeze to, to one end of the ground at Central. Yeah, it was. It was. But it was a funny breeze. It was. Um, it was swirly, but yeah, it was definitely um, favouring one end. Um, and I think. We probably set ourselves up really well in the first. We were obviously going against the wind in the first term. And, um, yeah, we did relatively well to sort of contain them going into quarter time. And then, uh, obviously, yeah, we had the, the conditions in our favour in the second term and sort of took full advantage of that. Um, I think we, we held a four-goal lead at half time, which held us in a really good position. And then, uh, as we expected, um, they fought back really well and, and wrestled the lead back from us going into the third term or going into the last term, I should say. And, yeah, it was a seesawing battle in that last. I think we got the first two and then they got one back and it was sort of goal for goal and, and thankfully um, we ended up in front, which was good. And, Sean, talk, talk about the, oh, sorry, Sean, talk about the rivalry you have with Glenn Waverley and, and two close ones this year. Does it feel like you have the wood on them and, and what do you think causes them to kick 11-19 last time and 10-14 this time to play um, to your advantage? Well, we must be heckling pretty well when we're on the mark. Um, no, I don't know what it is. As I said, we it's funny. I've, we played a final there two years ago, the year we won the flag, and uh, we had a really good day out there at Glen Waverley. But I've had some horrible days out there, to be honest. I think um, I think we've been on the end of a couple, nearly 100-point losses in my time at Fair Park there. So it hasn't usually been a happy hunting ground for us, but... Um, finally, we actually kicked straight and we took took uh, our chances yesterday, which obviously went a long way to helping us secure a, uh, a narrow victory. And what about your forward line structure? Much was made of your premiership year with 
what a great lineup you had in the forward line. But with Gilling, McKendry, and Fabrizio being your three guys kicking uh, multiple goals a few times, what sort of setup do you have, and and what does it look like now compared to having James Goff there? Yeah, it's completely different. I was actually chatting to a few guys yesterday. Like we having a look at our our premiership team compared to our team yesterday. I think we only had. 10 of our premiership team in there. Um, we've obviously lost a number of those guys over the last few years, mainly due to retirement. But, yeah, we identified last year that we probably, I think our leading goal scorer after the, the season last year was 10 or 11 goals. So we sort of had a focus on trying to find a, a target up forward and we were able to secure Ben, which has been terrific. And um, he was he was terrific again yesterday. Um, I think he bobbed up with two. We probably missed a few. And, the good part about him was he was sort of drawing one or two defenders at all times, or extra defenders, I should say. So that obviously then created opportunities for others. But obviously, um, someone like Ronnie McKendry, he's got electric speed. Um, when he started uh, at Fair Park, I had him playing primarily as a defender. And then the year won the premiership, I threw him forward. But he's um, yesterday, he played a fair stint in the midfield as well. So um, we're just trying to change our look up forward. Um, and we're trying to manufacture a winning score week in, week out. And thankfully yesterday it all, all clicked and we're able to um, kick a winning score. And Sean, just, just going back to your spread of goal kickers yesterday as well, I think it was nine individual goal kickers you had yesterday and you had a fair amount of goal kickers um, the week before against Ferntree Gully. Was that something, you know, during the Queen, Queen's birthday break that you wanted to to try and focus on getting a, a, a much th- – a thinner, a thicker spread of goal kickers yeah, for the rest absolutely. of the season. Yeah, for sure. And I think we had the luxury of the year on the premiership. We had Goff, Mullick and McKendry that all kicked close to 50 goals. Um, and yeah, we, we've identified that we can't just rely on one or two players to kick a winning score. We changed the look of our whole team yesterday. We played some of our um, leaders, I guess, uh, who have played predominantly in the midfield. We threw them forward and and it had the desired effect, like Mason Byrne, who's been playing the midfield, he, he bobbed up with two. Mitch Need played predominantly um, forward yesterday. He bobbed up with two and, and obviously uh, Ben Gilling too. And, and then, yeah, even um, Strata Stilgeras, he, he played a bit more forward and he hit the scoreboard. So week in, week out, it's not lost upon us. We haven't been kicking big scores. So we're, we're trying to find a way to manufacture 10 or 11 goals and obviously yesterday we were able to manufacture 12 and it's probably the high score we've kicked all year and, and we've got the win which has been great. And the clinicalness in front of goal, you know, you only kick the seven behinds and 12 goals from 19 scoring shots, that must have also pleased you compared to, you know, how slightly inaccurate Glenn Waverley were in front of goal. Yeah, you got to take your chance. I think we were shooting from good areas which obviously makes it much easier. Um, so... It's funny, we, I think we previously would do, do our goal kicking at the back end of training and, and we sort of started to build more of that into, into our training throughout the course of the year and doing it during training and when, when we're sort of under fatigue and it hasn't always worked, but yesterday in what we're really trying conditions, so that one was quite swirly to, to kick, I think 12-7 it was. Um, yeah, it was a great result and obviously the difference between winning and losing given they, they had more scoring shots than us yesterday. And, and Sean, you mentioned about you know Fenshaw Gully last week. That was pretty even at half time before it got away. Um, you know, a few weeks before that, I think the Whitehorse game you were in front at half time. Is it just more of a? Uh, is it uh, 
taking your, your your chances or is it more of a you know running out of legs to the the four quarters and is, was that the the difference yesterday against Glen Waverley that you you did put in a, a full four quarter effort? That was probably the most pleasing part of yesterday, and that's I've said this throughout the year. Like we we haven't probably you look at the score and you go, well, they've been terrible, um, but it actually hasn't been the case. I've found that it's really been a 15, 20-minute patch that has hurt us throughout the course of the year and a lot of those losses. Um, the most pleasing part of yesterday's win, we we probably went in a little bit taller yesterday and um, in the second term, Nick Macenti, our assistant coach, playing assistant coach, he was um, he was injured and wasn't able to come back. Cooper Beavis, who he threw into the midfield yesterday, was playing really well. He went off early in the third and it's quite a big ground out there. Um, so to... We're obviously down on rotations, and for the guys to run it out, um, particularly we gave up the first four goals of the third term. So there was every reason to throw the towel in, I guess. Like things weren't going our way. Um, they had the momentum. We had blokes sort of banged up on the sideline. We had a couple of players on field who were struggling a little bit with injury. But we spoke about resilience and during the week, and it really came to the fore yesterday. And it was a special day. Mitch Need. Um, he's one of our captains of the footy club. He's the heart and soul of the footy club. Um, he's just a terrific guy who who wants what's best for the footy club. And it was his 100th game yesterday. And um, it was terrific to, against all, all the odds, I guess, um, particularly in the third when we had blokes falling over left, right and centre, to rally um, and fight back and get a win in his 100th game was really special for, um, for the playing group and for Mitch. And just on the, you know, it, it really is quite open from about, you know, uh, fifth, fifth to ninth, um, very close in, in games. I think it's, you know, you know, you're only one game off um, uh, a few of the sides above you. Does this give you a bit of, a bit more confidence? And now, you know, you really, does it, does it leave it wide open to, to pinch a couple more wins and, and stay out of that bottom two? Yeah, absolutely. I think, honestly, I, we we sort of did a bit of a review on Thursday night and it was sort of pointless uh, reflecting on the second half against Century Gallery. We focused on the good um, in the first half and the message is if we can continue to play that consistent brand of footy, the, the good the good side, um, we can certainly pinch one or two games on the, on the run home. Um, and the, I guess the most pleasing part is I know when I first started at Fair Park, all those years ago now, but I remember if we copped a, a beating of a Saturday, we'd rock up and we'd, we'd have 12 blokes on the track of a Tuesday, and and that's um, not the case anymore. Like, we had a really disappointing second half against Ferntree Gully. We had a few blokes that run well um, after the game, and I think we still got close to 30 on the track of a Tuesday, which um, which I was really pleased with, because I've seen in, in the past when things haven't gone well, numbers drop away. Um, the energy's been great, blokes have been positive, um, blokes are doing extras, which which is terrific. They're trying to improve themselves. So providing we continue to do that, um, we keep showing up like we did yesterday. Um, if we don't win some, we're going to at least trouble a few teams on the run home. And I think if we can play that brand of footy that we played yesterday um, in the back end of the year, I, I certainly think we're, we're capable of winning um, a few more on the run home. And you're very capable of winning at home. You've got uh, Don Vale, you've got Whitehorse Pioneers and Scoresby on the run home. So does that give you confidence that relegation or talk of that, considering you're so close to fourth and fifth, 
is that something where you you look at it and go, we need to win our home games. This is what what will keep us up. Yeah, I think so. And funny enough, our best performances this year have been away from home on bigger ground. So um, it's probably got to do with the way that we're we're trying to to play um, this year. We've sort of we haven't got the the big key forwards like we've had in recent years, where we've sort of had to change up the way that we play. So I think. Um, there's been times throughout the course of the year that we've played some really, really good football, and then there's obviously been times where we've been poor. So if we can um, if we can eliminate those poor patches um, and be more consistent with our good footy, particularly at home, I think um, there's certainly no reason. And with relegation, as I said, we we probably haven't focused on it. Um, it it's there. It's everyone can see that the bottom two go down, which is unfortunate this year. But in saying that, we'll just continue to focus week on week and hopefully we can win enough games on the run home and it'll take care of itself and I guess yesterday they had some they got some dangerous players um Glenn Waverley and obviously Brad Needs was unavailable uh, yesterday James Waldron who has probably been our best player this year as a key defender he wasn't there yesterday we'll hopefully get him back uh next week and there were one or two out so I think um if we can get um a clean bill of health and get everyone on the park um yeah, I think there's some really good signs moving forward for the remainder of the year. And just to pick up on your talk about how great the playing group have been for um, energy around the club, showing up and committing, but the facilities upgrades around the and what the club's been able to achieve um, at Fair Park, is, is that something to be proud of and is that something that um, has really improved the club overall? Oh. Without a doubt, the only frustration is at the moment. Every time it goes into the um, to the work side, it takes five minutes to get the footy back back into the <laughs> into the field of play. But the footy club, um, I've just you see the change from when I first arrived. And that's no disrespect because the people um, when I started terrific that started to put things in place to make this club become better um, off field. I think Fair Park had always been really well known, sorry, for, for off-field, but getting the on, on-field part right. Um, there's been so much work that goes on behind the scenes. Um, we're so much better set up now. Um, the committee just worked ridiculous hours behind the scenes to make sure that not only we get everything we want as a coaching group and a playing group, but then pulling together um, this new bill that's going to be huge, not for only for the footy club, but for the local community. Um, and there's people that are working on that um, on behalf of the footy club that probably don't get to the footy club as much as they'd like to anymore, but the time and effort they're putting in behind the scenes to make this success is incredible. So it's going to be um, our, our grounds actually in relatively good nick, and when we get the new facilities, um, yeah, it's going to be incredible. Um, so it's great to get the support uh, by the committee, obviously local council, um, which has been terrific. So, yeah, I can't wait. Um I'll probably be sacked by then, so I won't get to experience, <laughs> enjoy it. Maybe they'll maybe they'll stand after me, but um, no, it's going to be terrific for the footy club, and it's not lost upon the guys. They can't wait for it to be um, built, and yeah, it'll um, it'll be great for the for the club. Well, well Sean, uh, hopefully, mate, you, you're there to see the unveiling of the short, Sean Stanton uh, stand. <laughs> uh, it's a bit of a tongue twister as well, actually. Now that I mentioned it, but uh, well done right yesterday. 
start a straw poll, I reckon. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, make your own little sign oh, and then you, take it to you, them. You've got friends in higher places <laughs> at Fair Park than we do, I'm sure. But, uh, look, mate, well done yesterday and a great win. And as the boys alluded to, you, you've got uh, plenty of opportunities in the run home. So hopefully, for your sake, we'll have you on the phone uh, sometime later in the year. I look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Sean Stanton there, Fair Park Senior Coach. Been there for a while and, and done some pretty incredible things, Gab, with that club. Yeah, and, and he was joking, but who else would they name the stand after other than a premiership coach? Yeah, absolutely. Well, coach? given how long that they've waited for one, and, and to be fair, you know, th- and Ryan, looking at this ladder before we jump into Division 2, is with Scoresby and Whitehorse's losses that we spoke about before the break again, the formidable ones, um, you know, they won't take much, you know, to the heart from that one, but their losses, both of those two have lost to Glen Waverley in the month previous, and now Fair Park have done the job over Glen Waverley, and all of a sudden, with Furniture Galley's form, they're now five clubs in that sort of relegation battle, and you can say the top four are actually just going to play amongst themselves. Well, no one's safe, is there? Dan? Even, you know, Scoresby, we, we've, we've hyped them up, but they're playing really well, but they haven't been able to get those couple of wins, and now they're only, you know, a, a win out of, uh, you know, a win in percentage ahead of uh, Fair Park. So they do have to now, you know, 100% win those games against a Fair Park or a Glen Waverley um, just to guarantee that they're not um, in the bottom two. He said that they've been playing better away from home. So they've actually got Mm. cold trim at cold trim. So that might be another game that they're targeting if if they're playing better footy on on the bigger grounds. But um, I'm with with you, Gav. I think it'll be Whitehorse at home that'll be their next real real chance. If they can pinch that, um, it'd be... Incredible. They're eight-point games, as we alluded to in the conversation, and it literally is because every win you get, you take one off mm. your opponent. Yeah. So um, is it five or six? Just to get out of to third bottom, you're going to have to have probably six wins. Well, there's, so, you can see mm-hmm. Fair Park winning another one because they've got scores, but obviously in the last round, White Horse as well at home. So uh, let's say they only win one of those. They may finish on 16 points and still finish bottom. Mm-hmm. So... Um, the team that goes down, the two teams that go down, as we spoke about off air, stiff. yeah, they're going to be incredibly stiff because it's such a tight competition outside of Waverley, um, who look pretty comfortable on top of the ladder. Into Division Two now, there were some interesting games up there. We'll start at East Burwood. Now that that ground loves a close result, doesn't it, Gav? You've obviously called a couple of them over the years. Um, East Burwood led by three goals at three quarter time after leading by five goals at half time. So doing it pretty comfy, you know. Temple so coming back into the game, the Dockers hit the front. They, they got out to a, a two-goal lead or so late in the last quarter. And then Ed McCutcheon kicked a goal on the siren uh, to win that game by four points. So Eastbourne remained third on the ladder. Um, but, you know, there's a bit of controversy around whether he played on, whether he ran off his line, all this mumbo-jumbo. Um, we'll have to have a look at the footage during the week. But... Uh, a massive win for East Burwood and, and another one of those losses where Templestowe will be kicking themselves because if they won that, they would have leapfrogged the basin. But also, given that last time these two teams played, I think the Rams won by about 15 goals. It's It shows the improvement they've made. Heartbreaking, 28 points down a quarter time without scoring a goal, Templestowe. They got on the board, but it was still 31 points down at halftime, close to 16. And to think that they've run all over them to, to have the yeah. victory snatched away from them, that is heartbreaking because yeah, emotionally they must be really low. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, they did a lot of work to get you know get back that lead. And the last few few weeks they've had a um, you know a few players back in cloaks. You know played a bit of game time in the last couple of games. Um, so they, I think, at full strength they're a finals contender. But as soon as you know they lose those sort of you know four to five star players, 
you know, they, they probably have just don't have the depth to, to compete with the, the the top side. So it, it is it is it's it's a you know, a heartbreaking loss in a, in a way because you know, well, a win ten, would have ten, kept them ten goals in the second half. Yeah, um, after it's gavelluted, so they couldn't even fire a shot in the first. Josh, so uh, but for East Burwood's sake, they've the, that's one where if they dropped it, they would have you know mm. Brony would have been licking their lips. Um, yeah. But but fortunately for East Burwood, they've got that win and they they maintain a pretty comfortable hold on double chance. Yeah, I think. I think this almost shores up a double chance. This is, you know, Templestowe, again, they won't be disheartened by this. Like I keep saying for results like Whitehorse and Scoresbury in Division 3, they won't be too disheartened because, yeah, it was it was a thumping last time out at Templestowe Reserve too. So it's definitely a much improved performance. I think they were helped by the fact that maybe they gained a couple of those players back like Cameron Cameron Cloak with Joe the two Hardwick, yeah, yeah, so on. Um, other two games. So the top two did the job pretty easy over their respective opponents. So Ringwood travelled out to Wellington Reserve and uh, game was in the balance at half time. It was only 10 points the difference before the Redbacks kicked uh, six goals to one in the second half. So once again, Gabe, you keep talking about team defence. So Ringwood's team defence is always yeah. their strong suit and then South Belgrave uh, kicked inaccurately against Knox, 14-27 to 6-12. Uh, Smith with four, Sam Brown with four, and Damien Garner with four. I think that's two weeks in a row Sam Brown's bobbed up with four goals. So South Bay have remained on top. Uh, inaccurate kicking probably cost themselves some percentage, not that they need it. Um, but, yeah, circling back to Ringwood, Gav, their, their team defence has been their strength for years and years and years. And to shut out Mulgrave, yep. who the week before had a mini shootout with Baroni, I think they, it was 16 goals plays 14, yep. uh, is an incredible effort from the Redbacks. Yeah, that'd be very disturbing because one goal in this one scoring shot in the second half, Mulgrave. Yeah. You can't justify your, your day's attendance at a footy game. <laughs> no, no. If you've only yeah. if you've only kicked six goals, yeah. uh, six had six. Yeah, shots. four two. And like I said, so they've had two shots in the first quarter, uh, three shots in the second, one shot in the third, and none in the last. Because so. they can't block them close from 50 to at least punting a ball yeah. forward towards those big yeah, white it's, figs. It's just, it just shows how good Ringwood are and, and probably the fact that as much as we love talking about the farmers for so long, and their strength really did lie in the, the ability to strangle teams. Yeah, they must so, do. At, well, it, it definitely you, does. Yeah, when you've got, you know, Cairns down back has had you know, a really strong year. Well, and their best players, you know, Cairns is in there, yeah. Tim Wack, May, uh, Parker uh, on the wing. Uh, Wadley in the midfield has been great, and then Mitch Jackson, who's who's been their real sort yeah, of been star, limelight he? in yeah. the forward line. Yeah, and your Jack Blythe pops up a bit on the wing as well. So they've got, you know, they they're a pretty strong side, uh, both ends of the ground, and, and they run so hard. Certainly, yeah, they do. They well, they 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 work hard when they don't have the ball, and that's um, the the big thing for them. And, and Mulgrave, look, they, you know, from hearing from a few people, their their pressure this year has been really good. When they, you know, they're you know, quite a high pressure you know side. So I don't know if that was a an just off day. Sort of, yeah, an off day, or if Ring would just you know have that have them covered. You know, I think it probably was an off day, given you know that was by far their lowest score of this year. It it probably disheartens them a little bit, given you know they've been consistently getting high scores, and including in the last couple of weeks, you know, past uh, seventy eight, seventy five were their last two scores against Baronia and the Basin. But yeah, it's just. It's remarkable how strong this Ringwood defence is and it just shut out the Mulgrave defence uh, in the second half. And it, 
honestly, I can't believe they only got the one shot in that second half too. Yeah, one one shot. It's uh, yeah, it's not just getting shut out, but yeah, as Cav said, it's lucky they kick straight because the six <laughs> scoring shots we've seen, we've seen sides have plenty more sh- scoring shots than that and, and not managed to to kick one through the big six. So I get that that's, that does happen though, Gav. That yeah. when sides only get small chances, they somehow do manage to kick straight. Upper yeah. gully this year have been incredibly accurate. So <laughs> like there's something in there. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, really find it, you clutch on. Um, Baronia, they didn't have any trouble finding the ball for a scoring shot, but they kicked in accurately as well. And I don't think percentage are come into it because they've got the draw, Baronia, but it's just something you don't want creeping in. So 19-27 to Oakley District 2-6, so 123-point win. Robinson with six uh, and the Collins. Are they brothers? Yes. Yeah, four I to Sam. So. And three to Jaden. Jaden, yeah. Jayden. There we go. So, well done to them. Ryan White, best on ground in his 100th game. Yeah, 100th game. So, yeah. And Taylor, they get stringing some footy together too. And he's been in the best players every time he plays for Brony. If they can get him to play every game for the rest of the year, Gav, uh, they might have a little bit of a late run at this. Yeah, uh, they've got the potential to fire up just when it matters. Um, and again, sometimes you can erode all the bad history of a first half of the year when you're in finals. The sun's shining. Mm. I, I've seen Baronia play good finals. Well, so. even their, their premiership, yeah. I don't think any of us were talking about them. It was Ringwood, it was Scoresby, were the teams around that, that year that were dominant. They lost to Scoresby in the first final, yeah, didn't they? Yeah, and Scoresby towed them. them up, and I think Heathman were in the finals that year, and then, yeah, Baronia got on a run. I just want to ask you a question of what's the feedback coming back from Oakley Districts and their adjustment to the league <laughs> and, and, and how they are coping with the level? They're going for, I, I think you've got to... Uh, give them compliments on how they've handled it. Like, yeah. you know, and much like Fair Park has Sean Samson. Like, it doesn't seem like they're struggling for numbers or people rolling in and the intensity. And to be fair, their performances look to have improved. And if you watch the highlights and stuff, it, it's literally, it's that, it's not the endeavour, it's not the intensity and they're getting their hands on the footy. It's just that next, it's literally the skill level, um, mm-hmm. the talent level. So, um, yeah, obviously they, they probably... Over underestimated how good Division Two was. I don't think they were expecting to to walk into finals or anything like that. But they've definitely been blown out of the park. But I, I think that if they would like, they're going to go down to Division Three next year. There's, you know, they, they pick up a few players. Like you, you've got to remember, some of these sides they're playing against are are really good. Like Ringwood, Baronia, yeah. South Belgrave, they would beat yeah, Division One sides. Division like one Ringwood, I think every year play practice matches against East Ringwood. I don't think they've lost in a no. long time. So I know Baronia beat. Bayswater comfortably too. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. So, so you got to remember, Oakley District, when you're playing these top sides in that in that division, like in South Belgrave, people are saying their forward line's the best in the whole comp. So when they're playing these sort of sides, it's like, yes, they're getting pumped, but they're not just playing Division 2 teams, are they? They're playing, you know, and you could even argue the same thing when Waverley beat teams in Division 3. On paper, Waverley's teams... I think it's underestimated clubs coming in and how established these Oh, clubs yeah, exactly. Are. Mm. And the fact that, like, the depth too means that, you know, obviously Mitchum went up was the last team to exit this division. Um, they went up as, and they came from the clouds to an extent. Yeah. And then you look at all these sides that were better than Mitchum all throughout the season that are still in this division. Yeah. And, and then you add South Belgrave in and it's like, yes, they're in the third division, but there's a lot of these clubs that have been sitting there waiting to yeah. go up and, and prosper. So like you said, Gab, you, you can underestimate how many good clubs there are. And then also as you go up the divisions, clubs that have kept hanging on by the skin of their teeth, that might not be as strong yeah. as their position. But then they, if they went down, they would be starting yeah. smacking the clubs yeah, yeah. around. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's a hard it's a hard one with that one. The game we do want to talk about in Division Two, though, before we go to another break, our final break here on the Eastland Monday recovery, is the Basin and Heathmont. It was out at Batterham, and and this one was an interesting game because if Heathmont lost this, you would push them 
probably out of contention because their percentage is, was not quite as strong as they'd like it. Um, the Basin would def, would have been in fifth spot. They would have been in a bit of form with getting their players back, starting to hit, hit some nice um, consistent footy. But Heath would have done the double over them, Ryan. Um, they were down at quarter time but then kicked four goals to one in the second quarter and, and didn't look back from there. They won 8-11 to 6-10. So two games that they've played this year have been similar scores, these two sides. Um, but Nick Rutley's men, they only had four goal kickers, Bailey Stevens with three, Finn Brown with two, James Brigale two, and Jed Hansen one. But they did the job. They're now sitting just percentage behind Mulgrave in six on the ladder, and it's the win they really needed to have because they've got a bit of a tough run coming up, Heathmont. It, it certainly does, and they do have, you know, I think uh, maybe even the top four sides in the next four weeks or something something like that. It is got, a really hard They'll run. have Ringwood this week, then Mulgrave, then, then Baronia yeah, maybe. Baronia so, again. Yeah, it's not, not an easy run. So it puts them... It, it, it's it's. I think if they had lost that, you'd count them out of the race. So, puts them in um in just in touching base of the the top five. And if they can just pinch, they I think they've got uh yeah. If they can pinch a, a win against maybe a maybe a Bronya or, or an East Build or someone, just a just they, they they I think they have to upset someone to get in. But on a basin perspective, you know they're you know, in a bit of trouble now because they've got a similar run. They've both. You know, got well, some, listen, well, with this division, you, you take sides. out Knox and Oakley District and every game, Josh, is a danger game because, you know, you might look at Templestowe in, in third bottom, but the Basin lost to them earlier on in the year and the Basin will still have to go to South Belgrave. They'll still have to go to East Burwood. Um, they'll have to go to Baronia. They'll Baronia, have to go South to, and Belgrave, and the next two. And they'll have to go to Mulgrave. So, yeah, it start, start, I keep saying that I think the Basin will eventually get there, but it's starting to look like they might not. Yeah, it, it's definitely dangerous stations. They're still, they're still in it because, you know, they're only two points, to, like half a game behind Mulgrave in fifth. But yeah, it, they need to pull off a surprise here. And, and just on Heathmont as well, a couple of weeks' time, that game against Mulgrave is going to be massive if yeah, they I think, win. I think we might venture down for the second time this year to have a look at that one. Uh, Heathmont on the Facebook, uh, their Facebook site, I watched them sing the song, and then one of the comments was, um, good win after we've been written off. Uh, who's... Well, Has anyone been writing them off, Matt? Or? Well, I did get a message from their senior coach. It wasn't quite in that manner, uh, but I'm sure I'm sure there's a few connotations. But the thing was, the working out is their percentage is still the worst of any of the top eight sides. So the the thing is, obviously, they got belted by Baroni. They've had a couple of games where they've been belted off the park, which will hurt them. Mm. Um, but then looking back on it, they've both games against South Belgrave, they've actually been in it. Um, and then I think the game that really hurt them, Ryan, was the Ringwood game. That yeah. might have, you, We talk about momentum. They'd beaten the Basin, had a seven-goal lead over Ringwood. If they'd won that game, they might have gone on a bit of a run. Yeah. Um, but to concede that many in a row, that might have set them back a couple of weeks. So, But their recent we, form has been pretty good because they rolled Templestowe before the bye. Like we said, they competed with South Bar. have had a lead at halftime um, and then ha- have um, knocked off the Basin here. Their Mulgrave game in a couple of weeks could decide we we sort of wrote them off, but you know, in saying that, we we thought the basin would be kicking into gear by now. So we thought that top five may have been locked up, and clearly it's now you know probably a, a three horse race for that that fifth spot with with um, Mulgrave in the basin. But they What's we, been, we, and the, who's got the easiest run? Oh, I don't. They, they so all Mulgrave, have to, Mulgrave, I think maybe Mulgrave, Mulgrave played Baronia and Ringwood so far already. So they've got they've got South Belgrave and East Burwood. They've got East Build this week, then they'll have Heathmont and, and then South Belgrave, and then they'll have a, a cruisier finish, whereas Heathmont have sort of they're scattered around. So it's yeah. it could jumble up, but yeah, it's to, a, to be fair, we have said, you know, we've admitted that they 
you know, clearly have missing a lot of players. Yeah, Evans yeah, yeah. has missed no, no, a, plenty of bedroom Ryan, of. Uh, Ryan, if they want to, if they want to <laughs> cover this, I'm they just, uh, they're still not even the top five. Yeah. I don't know what they're what they're going on about. I think here. I think they're a great side, and I think at their best they are a, a, a final side. But as soon as they lose those players, they they probably aren't don't have enough to, to cover them. Which you know, a lot of sides are in similar boats. Come round sixteen, after potentially you'd give them the win over Knox, you'd give them a win against Oakley Districts. If they can get through and pinch out... Is Heathmont? Yeah, Heathmont. Yep. So if they've set up the run home against Eastfield and Templestowe... They're the last two. Uh, yeah, so they'll be within striking distance mm. of a position. Eastfield at yeah. home and then Templestowe away. So so that's the thing about this fixture is there's a couple of teams that are very winnable against, obviously. They'll be hoping that Templestowe's right out of the race in, in I think, Heathmont because they then Templestowe won't have that drive... That like motivation. A, Whereas if Temples, there was still a chance themselves come that thing, it's yeah. going to be another an, another impossible there one. There might be three sides going in the last round. We're going to have a – this is going to be a cracker, round 17, round 18, because I reckon – well, that's going to change. If you include, just going to keep trading If you wins. include Temple Stowe in the race, you've got four – so you've got Temple Stowe in eighth, a win behind Mulgrave, and then obviously the Basin on 18, Heathmont tied with uh, Mulgrave. So, yeah, there's four sides racing for fifth at the moment, and – and the way they keep pitching wins on off each other, that no one's going to, as Gav said, no one's going to clearly move into fifth spot. But the top four, Baronia, at the moment, if they can just do what they need to do, Ryan, they should be safe. I think they're safe, and I I think they're a genuine a smoky uh, contender. I think I think. Well, oh, look at look at the scoops. <laughs> just give me a look. <laughs> it's a big. They haven't had the, uh, they. I don't think at the same time this season they've had Mellis, Leggett, White. Uh, uh, Hannon, all on the same side, right. all, all okay. four or five of them. There you go. It's a bit of a long time Here we go. I think they have the talent, but I just think, you know, East Berlin are a very, a very talented side. I reckon Baronia can match it up to them, but it's just getting past South Belgrave and Ringwood as well. They're, they're two oh, yeah. pretty it's, tough it's a, it's a hard... Yeah, yeah, you should it's have a, said, said Smokey. If you said Smokey, smoky, yeah. I would have stayed with you there. But all right, we're going to go to a break here on the East <laughs> Monday Recovery. When we come back, we're going to talk about Division One and Premier Division, where and it's another big, uh, big race for those bottom few spots in the in the finals. He's about forty out. He's going to have to. He's going to play on, run around, give himself some room, set sail for home. Samuel Hart. Yes, he's got it. Back to four points. What a good goal that was. The Red Jackets are up and about. They certainly are uh, after a big win yesterday that put them into the top six. But we're going to start in Division 1 here on the Eastland Monday Recovery. Matt Fodier, Gav Casey, Josh Ward and Ryan Long. Uh, We're going to start out at Montrose. We thought Montrose might get the chocolates over one turn to South Josh because they were at home. But straight kicking from the Devils. uh, Incredible. 17-8 to 11-23. And Paul Yukoni, didn't he love rubbing it into Blake (laughs) Tennant yesterday, Ryan? It was some of of Paul's best work. But it's a really important win for one turn to South. Liam Hewitt and Marcus Jordan kicking four apiece. um, And and David Lang, best on the ground. He's having a great season. It moves one South clear into fifth position on the ladder. Where we probably expect them to be, Josh, in the end. But what do you make of this one? Well, it could have been. It sh- clearly, it should have been a, a Montrose win. But as you often say, Matt, bad kicking is bad footy, and that is that's that's a pretty poor effort. Just g- getting the twenty three behinds and kicking only eleven goals. You compare it to one turner South too, seventeen goals, eight. So again, like like sides like Fair Park and. Uh, they were, they were clinical in front of goal. But, yeah, Marcus Jordan's starting to get back into form. That, I think, will give him confidence for the rest of the season as well. But 
Yeah, one turn. Yeah, I expected them, given how well they started the season, to be in this position and in fifth position, and now they are. And you know, they're a game clear of Lilydale, Beaconsfield, and Mont- Montrose and Bayswater now. So you know, if they can keep this up for the rest of the season, then yeah, it's um it, that probably will be a crucial win for their season as well. And they, the, de- the yeah. Devils run have actually got quite a good record against the other side. So you, they've obviously they've beaten up a gully. Uh, they, I think they've, they've beaten Bayswater. They've beaten Montrose now once and obviously lost them by a point. They've beaten Beaconsfield twice. And then that Lourdes one, they, they coughed up a, a three-quarter time lead. So to be fair, they probably are have the best record of those five sides chasing um, fifth spot. They do, and they they also lost to Mitchum in the last kick of the day, and, and the Croydon game was yeah you know less than a goal or something. So look, they've been within um, within games in those when, when they're on, you know they they're high scoring. Hewitt um, uh, and Jordan year? also, you know, when you can have them kicking three or four a game, they look really strong. Um, I think that's what we sort of expected them to do. Obviously, you know the the COVID break probably came at the the worst time for them and. It's just now starting to get into a bit of form with all those recruits from a, a few years ago, and if they can keep building on this and and pinch, you know, maybe a one against Mitchum in a couple of weeks, they Mitchum and Corey could be in, able to lock. Yeah, be the two they'll be targeting. Yeah, could be able to lock up a spot. I, think I just want to talk about Montrose's kicking eleven twenty three. That's like a virus. When you start with three goals eight. And you have seven more scoring shots. Even well, if you it, convert two or three of them, you've got momentum, you've got advantage, you're controlling the game on the scoreboard. But as you're saying, it's the virus. Is you, everyone's tensing up having a set Correct. shot. You, 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 those sort of ones where you see guys mark it and just try to kick it straight away. And it doesn't. Some players might go, "Well, I'm going to kick the next one," but then when you have a, it's worse to have a set shot. You mm. probably want to be able to run. That's it what I'm in. saying. They'd mark it forty out directly in front and go, "Bugger these! I'm playing on now." And, and rushing shots and so on. So it turns into. Um, you can't do anything right. And then one turner south goes, well, every time we kick a goal, we're still we're rubbing the salt yeah, in it. Yeah. And it's a joy. It it's takes Montrose six <laughs> attempts to free our one. Yeah, and they're just loving it because the game's pretty even, but every well, time could, they have an op- <laughs> potentially you guess, after the first quarter. You could actually argue it's not even even, really, because at three-quarter time, one turner south are up by 11 points, but they've had 18 scoring shots to 27 so they're up by 11 points but have had nine less scoring. Like, I know it's pretty basic analysis, but you're, you're right. It could be the difference because now Montrose are back. They're down in eighth spot. They're a game behind Monty South, but have also played a game less. So, you know, it's it's not not exactly how things are planning out. Although I don't think Gary Ayres is too fast. It's a, it's a long-term sort of project. But I think... Yeah. I think a lot of people were, were expecting Montrose to be a lot better than, you know, if they if they lose to Bayswater again, as they did in the first time around, they could possibly finish second last, well, which is a, not where they should be. No. Yeah, they're a side that's uh, been in games. Well, when you kick like that, you cost yourself. But it even feels like there's something, something not right, whether it's their conversion or their ability to close the game down, because it's not like they ever stop one turn south scoring goals. So to me, that sounds like... They were going all in on their attack, and then once the ball an error occurs, then they're very exposed the other way, and and that's why you see seventeen eight versus eleven twenty three because everyone there's a chain of possession where it only takes one person to muck up the chain, and then you're just you're just like it's like an open goal after that, and that's well, probably and that's what one turner south looked like they were running into the way they've kicked incredibly potentially straight. that's how it was going so. They have to fix something. If it's skill or 
application, a game awareness. Um, maybe they, they're putting too many eggs in the basket of going, when they go forward. You've, you, those, um, so it's all speculation based on the scoreline. But you, when you shoot yourself in the foot, you just you just uh, you give yourself a headache about what what you've yeah. done wrong because one turn south will walk away going, yeah, that was very enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then Montrose, you, you hope that next week that the first kick is very important because it's like anything, like you said, it plays on your mind. So that first set shot next week, well, I think they've got the buy, but the week after, if that doesn't go through, it might start the rod again. And that's just the nature of the human mind. Unfortunately, it's yeah. it's a if you can master that, you you, you can you, you can do you can master anything. But Nick Rewalt talks about it a lot whenever he's doing his analysis. Is that sometimes the easier shots become the hardest mm-hmm. uh, if your mind's playing tricks on you. We roll into Lillardale. We, uh, they went out to Kings Park and they were really tested. Upper Gully, as I said, they. Kick straight. Um, they, they have done all year. So four straights and one three early on. They they had the lead um, up until half time. The Kings before the they'll kick four goals to one, and then uh, it was a goal apiece in the last quarter. So the Falcons got a ten point win. They they did what they had to do in the end, Josh. Um, unfortunately for them, they would have been liking to get their percentage back up, but I don't know where the Kings Park has. Re- um, reverted back to its muddy best, but a really strong performance from Upper Gully, who have been better since the bye, and the Falcons sit in sixth um, and have some pretty big games ahead of them. Yeah, and, you know, they would have liked to get their percentage up because, you know, whilst Upper Ferntree Gully have improved since since that bye, they're still, you know, struggling, and they defeated them convincingly earlier in the year, mind you, that was out at a much smaller ground at the LSO, but... Yeah, still a great performance from Upper Fern Tree Gully. And again, they're not going to be too disheartened. But yeah, it's just Lilydale just a, too just too classy. And yeah, I think it gives them a little confidence heading into a crucial couple of weeks for them. Yeah, yeah the, the next four weeks, they've got Mitchum, Murlbach, Bayswater and East Ringwood. So three of those four are... Uh, really, really tough games. They, so they, they, they did almost beat So Mitchum, they led at three-quarter time. In, yeah. in the first time I got overrun. So now at the LSO, if they, if they can... The Mitchum one will be the one they... If they win that, they, they'll really push for the final spot. Um, if not, I think it's it's Wanty South's to lose, basically, now, um, given that they've beaten Beaconsfield twice and, and rolled Montrose the second time. But the nature of this division is we... Yeah, I'd, you can't, I, you can't yeah, lock it I mean, in. We've, as, we've a man, about... as a man who put Bronier into Premiership favouritism just before <laughs> not, the break... Not, not <laughs> the Premiership favourites, but... Contender. But, yeah, I, I do agree with you there. It's too hard. Yeah. We can't be doing anything like that. One thing we can be for, uh, certain about is Murubak can get the double chance at a bare minimum. Uh, 12 straight. I think it's now, is it 16 in a row? I think it's 15. 16. Or 16 or, I think they won their last four in, in 2021. Um, so I'll have a quick look at that. But the incredible run for Brett um, Laver's side. Uh, they roll Beaconsfield in the, a, a tough game. Beaconsfield stayed with them. But um, five goals to one in the first quarter for Murubak and then four goals to, to Three in the in the um, in the last quarter there, so they did the job. One by twenty eight points. Uh, Mullet three on his return. Jai Jordan continues his great form. He kicked three. Uh, best on ground. Trent Giorgio, who's closing in on life membership, and then Matt Johnson's been in good form for Beaconsfield Cap. He kicked three. So Beaky yeah. once again showed that they can compete with um, the best sides in the competition, but they've made mistakes along the journey. Uh, definitely, um, they've acquitted themselves well. They know where they're at. They can set up for next year, I'll, I'll give them that already. They can, uh, you know, know what they need. They come from another comp, big ground. Maybe they have to adjust to smaller grounds with who they recruit next year. But Moorbach, 
can I just make a quick comment? This, of course you can. I've talked to a player from another player, oh. another team, and they were yeah. like, oh, Millbuck are very good, but maybe they win every game until the last one, and that would be mm-hmm. quite. But do Millbuck need a loss just for. I always I think it's rubbish. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. They, go they, all the way. They, they seem to be pretty. We were out there last week, yeah. and I was at the huddles, and they seem pretty hell bent on. This isn't just about like winning and winning it. Like, like Standards. they seem pretty hell bent on. They yeah. want to. They want to go. We've chatted to Scott Bentry, I think, last year on on a podcast. Like they're, they're mm. targeting, and and both them and East Ringwood will know that given that there's no promotion next year from this division, um, which was released at the start of the season, this year's a really big battle for those two because it's not just about winning the flag. It's you have to wait like Don Castor East did if yeah. you miss out. So Murubak might be going, well, we've got to strike yeah. while the iron's hot. But what it's Donny, 16 in a row now. They won their last four in uh, 2021. What Donny East did and what Murubak should and other clubs should try to do is establish themselves to be clearly the best of the division and then you can be actually competitive up in the next yeah. division. I think I think their midfield's definitely competitive. Um, they've got their, their depth will hurt them, but we've seen Donny East have gone up with that. Great depth as well. So Donny East Reserves never really uh, tested the, the, the Premiership dice. So um, it may be, but yeah, we're back at the moment. Like the, the, look at their scoring power. Like uh, they've scored almost twelve hundred points. They're averaging almost a hundred a game. And next best is East Ringwood. Um, but it's the efficiency when we talk yeah. about kicking thirty. They do, six, and even last week I think they kicked eleven five kick or something. And it, yeah. Even with Jai John kicking four, it didn't seem like they were relying on him. They, had they other kick a lot options. of goals too. The way Newton they play, one, they, they, they kick a lot of yeah. goals running into them yep. from twenty meters out. Like there's not like Mitchum Parenti was dobbing them from all angles, but it's one of those ones. If it's if someone else was having that shot, you wouldn't back them. Yeah. Whereas Jai Jordan, a couple of his goals where they'd work it out, and then they've got a loose number at the back. They've obviously the way they play their game, they draw opponents up, and then he runs into an open goal. So he's playing good footy, Jai Jordan. But that's why they're kicking straight because they make their yeah. goals almost impossible to miss. Um, not that he didn't try last week, but look, <laughs> um, a really strong win for Moorabach once again. Um, I think they've got East Ringwood in a couple of weeks, uh, three weeks, I think. So we'll be, well, that's yeah. A, yeah. we'll be looking at that one. That's pretty much it. It looks like it's going to be a grand final preview mm-hmm. unless East Ringwood and Moorabach, you know, really trip over themselves in the run home or, or in a final series. But Mitchum have got close to both of these clubs. Um, we'll talk about that game now. You know, East Ringwood won by nine points in what sounds like an absolute slog. It was perfect conditions for footy yesterday. I don't know how they've managed that at Mitchum of all places as well, Gabe, which that size ground usually um, lends itself to high scoring. But 6-10 to 5-7, it was all tied up at three-quarter time, 4-7 apiece. Um, and then the Roos got home. Uh, so they maintained pace. They're only well, they're two games behind Murabak, but have a game in hand. Um, Do you think they were, either side was scared for it to leave a leave a circular around yeah, the Yeah, well, from all, from all reports, the ball just stayed on one side of the ground. It went line to line. I, I think Mitchum are doing something. They did it last week against Murubak where Neil Winston is trying to really play. When he's playing those big sides, we lock it down yep. and make it a bit of a scrap. And then, obviously, they know they've got players like Parenti, Smythe, Cherry, Tom Lovell now that can produce moments of magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's clearly what they've done. And to be fair, when they played East Ringwood the first time, they lost by about six goals. So the, it's worked. And even Murubak, they lost by six, seven goals the first time. It was only three or four goals last week. So you, you can't say it's not working. It's not a great spectacle. Yeah. But it, it is. It's working. Yeah. And if, he can, if they can improve on it, who knows in a final. Can they get a transition game though within the next six weeks, eight weeks? Yeah, they probably they probably, they probably do. They probably might need to move some magnets and get a couple of runners behind the footy. If it is maybe even a Jackson Hallow or someone playing back flank rather than on ball. Yeah, and I just think as well. Yes, yesterday as well. It was just they ran out of legs. It was a similar story when we saw them against Moorbark. They they ran out of legs in the last quarter, and 
whilst they kept East Ringwood only to two goals, I think that's what Neil Winston, I reckon, will need to fix up in the last couple of weeks leading up to finals. Because if they can, you know, put the, string together a four-quarter performance against these top sides, then, yeah, they're definitely they're definitely going to probably they, be... They'll challenge, yeah. They'll From here, though, Mitchum, so Mitchum have now played more... They, they could easily go on a seven-game winning streak. They, they could, mm. but... Because they've, they like, they've, they've belted Croydon yeah, the first time form. around. I know Croydon have improved since the buy, and it'll be at Croydon, but... All the other games, they'll go in as favourites, red-hot favourites. Like You could easily see them winning minimum five, possibly six or seven, and they'll probably end up getting double chance. This is where they can be experiment, be more expansive to potentially Mm. stop playing the one-dimensional. Yeah. um, But I don't know. Yeah, I I think they've tried something new these two weeks. Not tried something new, but they've tried this defensive. So do do you stick with it? Because you think it's your way of winning a fight, a final against those two teams, or do you play the long game, and and like you said, try to be that more expansive? Because, in all honesty, do Mitchum really want to? Like, obviously, you want to go up. It's, if you ask him, which do you want to win the premiership? He's going to say yes. But do, do they like, from a strategic point of view, are they better off actually going? No, we'll wait a couple of years and build build a bit more of an in, uh, sustainable game plan. Well, maybe this is twenty twenty three planning. Yeah, yeah. So when the premiership gets you upgrade. Yeah, yeah, it's always a build. Things can happen in eighteen months. They actually have star players. Mm. What they need is more numbers. Yeah, well, and they, they've yeah. got the depth though. Their reserves yeah. are top of the ladder. But yeah, that they they don't have that run and carry out of defence that mm. other teams have. But they're a very young side. I mean, Jesse Smith's early twenties. Yeah, they don't have anyone. Hello. They don't have anyone. I don't. Yeah. think close to thirty. How There's a couple maybe running around, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Think yeah, many. so it's it's a it's a you know a two three year sort of thing. To, to win, a, win a flag in this division um, for them. But they're on the right track, and I think they've probably almost fast-tracked themselves that I don't think we expected them to be competing no, for I think a they've, ta- they've taken advantage of the fact that the others have sort of all yeah. been tripping over themselves. And, well, they've won and the they've close got, ones, they've got, they? Yeah, they've got good depth. They've won the close ones. Um, and I think we the Tom Lovells and Jake Parenti playing basically the whole year together has given them an X factor that no one else really has. Even, even Murubak and East Ringwood don't have... Two pretty, really good no. marking forwards, but like both clubs have got great forwards, but not two of them. And, and the final game in this division was Croydon and Bayswater. Croydon won by uh, six goals, five or six goals. Uh, Troy Broussard kicked four. He's had a really good year. He's gone under the radar. Troy Broussard. He's kicking about a goal, a goal a game as a small forward. Billy Dixon was best on ground. Bally Hocker's putting together some some fine work for Croydon. So uh, two wins on the bounce. Two pretty convincing wins over Lourdes and Bayswater, Josh. And now they're into third spot, clear of Mitchum, who they will play later on. Obviously, Mitchum, as we said, have played the top two in consecutive weeks, but. Um, the Blues have steadied themselves and look uh, on the road to finals once again. Yeah, I'm still up and down on them, though. They're, yeah, they've found some form after a disappointing couple of weeks before the Queen's birthday bye. But, yeah, uh, this, is, this isn't the most convincing win yet. It, it's, a, I think, a 35-point 30, victory over Basewater. Who you know, they've, they've made their mark this season as well, but it, it's still not convincing from my point of view. But, yeah, Troy Broussard, so, yeah, he has had a great year and... That was probably his best performance, but yeah, it's um, it's it's a good performance. I'm still not convinced by them, but yeah, I think it's much needed heading into yeah tough couple of weeks for them as well. If they can get Constantino back in the lineup, their mm. forward line would function mm. a lot better. I feel uh, here that they might have 
the flu season affects teams all around the league, so there's no excuses for yeah. any one They club. did post, uh, again, we're talking about social media, they posted a tiny bit passive-aggressively. They were starting to get our players back. Yeah, and, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I do think some clubs rely on the structure, and you can see, Mitchum, the difference when the Twin Towers sort of uh, play is it changes dramatically the way you can compete. But, yeah, I think that's where they struggle. Britain hasn't... He's kicked 14 um, out of his 11 games, but... As a roaming centre forward, maybe he needs to get deeper for them to kick more goals. I've compared him to Mason Cox on the call there at Croydon. He's got Cox tendencies to me. He's got long arms. He can mark at the highest point, but just sort of goes in and out of seasons. If they can try and find a role for him that he can play week in, week out, get some consistency, he, he might he might develop into that um, that secondary tower that you're talking about that can push them up against Murubak and Easter Ingold, um, who I think they'll play almost in consecutive weeks later on in the year. So um, that'll be their test for them. But, yeah, at the moment, that ladder is, is Murabak out on 48 points. Um, then you've got East Ringwood on 40, but obviously a game. Uh, Murabak have played an extra game. Uh, Croydon now ahead of Mitchum on seven wins. Mitchum on six. Wani South on five. And then uh, the rest of them on four. <laughs> I think it's Be- uh, Lourdale, Beaconsfield, Montrose and Bayswater on four. Percentage uh, or deciding them. None of those sides blow Mitchum with a percentage over 100 and then upper gully get to win, but they, they seem to be edging closer to one. In the Premier Division now, and it's hard to pick a spot to start. There were so many interesting results. Um, you know, Noble, well, one that went to script was Noble Park pumping North Ringwood, and, and then from another point of view was Rover beating Vermont really, really handily. And Gab, we talk about low scores. When was the last time Vermont kicked 3-8? They only managed 26 points. Uh, Rover remained on top of the ladder after that performance as well. Yeah, well, you know how long I've watched the mm. the league and almost fifty I, years. <laughs> no, I'm not Ray Baird. Um, <laughs> I don't want to make an extreme comment, but this is not what we no, normally normally see. Let's just say that. So three eight is even at their worst, they've got um, goals. They've got yeah, they've got goals in them. So yes, they're they're in transition, obviously. But Roval, um, more than that, have exposed. I've actually this result. Maybe it's just because Vermont's on the page, but now now's the time to start saying they are the favourites. Well, They're- Roville have beaten Noble, Baldwin, Doncaster, South Croydon, Vermont, Park Orchards. Their, their loss come to Doncaster. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the way they win yeah. games now is they yeah, they're shutting suff- teams out. Yeah, yeah, suffocate, have more of the territory as well. And that's huge. The yeah. other team I mentioned, we, though, in that just was Noble Park there who beat North Ringwood 91 to 32. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's just that inherent people have an inherent trust in Noble. And I've spoken to a few players who think Noble's number one seed still. Okay. So, so do, they, do they match up again? Yeah, for the is, that, is that, again, we talk about Vermont. August they never 13 will be out at the Bull Ring. But Roval, they've had all their premierships coming up. And but still, people are like, "Well, this is Premier Division. Noble Park have won Premier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've come from Southern, and then they've dominated the. But, Eastern I, Footy but League. you could make an argument that Ro- Roval have been better in recent history than Noble. They have, but they have they. They haven't won. They have it, yeah, they and they, they struggled won. in finals. They yeah, had a know, midfield. Have they won a Premier Division final? Uh, I'd have to check. The I think they've had double chance before and gone out in straight sets. Yeah, that's what I'm sort of in my and back then of my mind. And they lost to South Croydon in 2019 in a in a elimination final. So. Well, look, we don't know off the top of our head, but yeah, I think Roval haven't won a Premier Final, and maybe and maybe that's it. Yeah, there's a bit of doubt around that because people love to see the runs on the board, don't they? Like a champion, they'll mm. always back a champion when it comes to the finals. But it's like, well, 
who is the champion that's going to be stepping well, up? Well, that's the thing. And Baldwin are another one, it's Josh, that Baldwin have started to hit a bit of form. Um, they lost to Noah Park out at the Bullring on Queen's birthday, but their last two weeks have, have been uh, pretty impressive with with some, some strong wins. And, you know, they beat Doncaster East in an in a enthralling game from all reports. And then this one, they had a comfortable lead against South Croydon and conceded four goals to one behind. So South Croydon in the last quarter kicked out four goals eight. Uh, to Baldwin's one behind and then lost by eight points. So South Croydon obviously had their chances coming home late, but Baldwin have hung on uh, 87 to 79. Tom McCaffrey kicked five goals. He's having a really, really good year in the best players once again, off the wing, um, kicking goals is really impressive. Baldwin in third spot. That's not double chance this year, um, but South Croydon now drifting back to fifth. Their percentage is 104, so they'll be ruining those missed opportunities. Yeah, and that makes their game against Norwood this coming week even bigger. Um it's an impressive fight back from South Croydon, you know, that down quite comfortably at three-quarter time, 39 points. I would have definitely listed them off. But, yeah, still a great comeback. Just, yeah, it was just too big of a margin. And, yeah, Bullen are definitely starting to hit some form. I reckon, you know, their last uh, their last 10 quarters have been their best their best couple of Yeah, that second half against Noble, they won yeah. it. And then, yeah, they've, they've rolled two pretty good teams. Um, not convincingly, but they've rolled them. And... The thing is, as well, it's what makes this even more impressive is, yeah, Tom McCaffrey steps up in the absence of Charlie Haley and kicks five goals. But yeah, it was just they didn't have this without Charlie Haley and Jordan Lyle. He kicks the two goals, but doesn't have too much of an impact. I think because so. Haley gets he's averaging high teens in his disposal count now this year as well, so he's getting his hands on the footy um, a tiny bit more as well, which is, which is the difference where Lyle's a, a seven touch player. Um, for a game, but South Croydon, Gav, it was five five to one behind at quarter time, and and that you know for all their work, so they kicked what was it eleven goals to eight after quarter time, but you know it's slow it, starters, Adelaide time, as you like to say. Yeah. But the thing is, is uh, it just looks like there might have been a scoring end. Yeah. So okay. yeah, as you meant, so Bourne kicked ten of their thirteen to one end. So I'd like to know which end because it's a slanted field. Yeah, well, so with, what is the scoring end at Bourne? Is it down I'm towards Bourne? Is it Whitehorse Road? Possibly because it's downhill, isn't it? Yeah, and then the ball gets lost. And, but then yeah. I always like kicking to the where you get more the, cheers, which is uphill. Yeah. Well, so I'm just trying. I just wanted to know that, and I wasn't there. We'll so have I can't to, we'll say. have to wait for the highlights. I'll see if there's some highlights down there. But yeah, it's um yeah, it's an interesting point that you make there, and and maybe Rodney Ede, they. They did the they, the six 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 was uh, aborted and they just kept running numbers behind the the play because is they, there many more grounds other than Norwood and Bowen that are more slanted <sighs> for uphill downhill? Sylvan Sylvan's got a bit of a slant. Mm. Sylvan's got a bit of a slant. Um, I'm, I'm not. I'm trying to think. I'm not, I'm not sure for the other ground. Hughes Park is um domed. Definitely yeah. domed yesterday. Yeah, I was boundary riding. Yeah. I couldn't see the other side of the ground. I was relying on Blakey Tennant and Jared uh, to, to call the correct names. Uh, yeah, Baldwin has got quite a big slope. And then obviously the, the fact that the ball goes down and goes across the tram tracks and, and over to the cafes across the road. Well, that'd be a, a good kick. You will, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but look, uh, uh, Baldwin are starting to find some form, as Josh alluded to. So they've got seven and three. Um, their losses have come to Roville, uh, Noble, and then that Park Hawkins loss will probably the one that will hurt them because, um, as I mentioned, Top two is the only ones they, that get yeah, the week off. Just that that bit behind them, and then you know from the South. There's Florida. no real double chance this year in Premier Division. You pretty much the only the top two get that week off and get a free ride to. Do you like the second this final series? Would this I, carry with you if th- it was continued? I think if we were if it was only if we we're running only one division, you would do the the uh, original top six. But this one's simpler to follow. Yeah. It's three v six, four v five. You're both out. It looks rewarding to who yeah, deserves yeah, yeah. it. 
Yeah, I think you, well, you got to keep winning games. There's not, none of this loss and get a week off and, and all that sort of stuff. And you'll play consistent footy, so there's just the one week off. Um, well, if, if you know, if you win the the one v two game, yeah, you go straight. But yeah, it's um, it's an interesting interesting final series. Uh, I'll get it up so we can run through it again as well. But yeah, I think what it does, it's easier to follow than yeah. the original one that was used Goes in the AFL. Rankings, yeah. That AFL one where, you know, a team lo- finished fifth, lost the first final, end up winning the flag um, is, a, is a bit confusing Don't to remind. me. So <laughs> what will happen is, so at the moment, should should these be the final two, the final positions, your first week, Roval and Noble would have a week off. Uh, then Baldwin would play Blackburn. Uh, we'll talk about their win in a second. John Reese would play South Croydon. Then the next week, Roval and Noble would play, winner into the granny. Uh, loser would play the winner of whoever won that first week, and 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 so on. So, so pretty much you go you go from week one gets rid of a couple of teams, and you go straight into a top four yeah. setup. So we're just adding an extra week in as we as we like to do. It's almost wild card, which the AFL mm. might take one one soon. Yeah, it's a wild card, but 20. using six rather than twelve yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Because the Americans love it. I'm like, oh, oh, it took me years to work out what the hell they were referring to. Well, I think the TV and, the- and um, TV companies love it because you can build up a wild card round. It's a lot easier to build up a wild card round <laughs> other than an eliminator. But we'll move on to some other footy action. Uh, Doncaster East and Norwood. It was a big game that we spoke about on the weekend forecast, Josh, and I'm sure you listened to. Um, and it was a big game because Norwood, if they'd won this one, they would have brought Donny East back to the pack. They would have dropped out with Vermont because they were both stuck on five wins and Norwood would have closed the gap and Park Orchards would have had an opportunity and we'll talk about their loss in a second as well. Um, and then it caught a time, two goals, four to two goals too. But after that, Doncaster has proved to be a class above. And look, I think Norwood is still technically a, a chance of making it. They've still got the destiny in their own hands. Because of their tough draw, they have chances to knock off teams above them. But it looks like that might be the final nail in the coffin. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I would have thought that they'd come in thinking they'd get the win against, oh, a very talented Doncaster East side. But they're still... Well, not thinking about the win, but they would have not, they would have backed themselves to be a lot closer than, than 40 yeah, points. But, yeah, it definitely does. Put a bit of a dent, and you know they'll they'll need to make up some percentage too if they're a chance. They've got a percentage below a hundred, not of just under ninety nine percent actually as well. So yeah, it's it's definitely an uphill battle for for the Norsemen for the ne- for the rest of the season if they are to to make finals. But they definitely do have you know a couple of winnable games. South Croydon, they've whilst they're a gr- good side, they've shown they can be vulnerable in the last couple of weeks as well. Vermont as well. Both of them at home, I think they play Mullen Mullen Reserve a bit better. And yeah. whilst they've got four, whilst they've got three, only one more home game after that, I, I still think they're a small chance. But yeah, I'm slowly starting to think that they're probably not going to make they, finals. They've got to win every one of those sides below them or, or on par with them. So that's why the Blackburn mm. loss really hurts. They've got to win all them and then maybe pinch one or two against you know uh, one of those top six sides just to have a real chance. But I think they're they're coming back from, you know, a bit now that, you know, now that Blackburn have, have found some You've form. You've had a few statements a here. Come on. <laughs> kill them. Oh, I'm not going to kill Finish them. Finish them. <laughs> we'll see. Well, oh, it's next Karate Saturday. They, 
Maybe next Saturday if they don't yeah, get yeah, up. It's going to be a big day next a, Saturday, though, for the, but, yeah. the NAIDOC game out there at Mullen Mullen that we'll be there to cover. But, yeah, a, a good steadying wing for Doncaster Race because they had a, a, a couple of tricky weeks. They lost to Park Orchards the week before the bye with a few players out and then lost to Baldwin last week, Gav. So they needed to steady themselves. And, and look, nothing's for certain in this division because Vermont are obviously only a game behind them in seventh. Park Orchards missed a chance to, to really probably jump in right into the mix given their strong percentage. But Doncaster Race, they're doing, they've done themselves a service to consolidate their finals position. Yeah, it looks like with uh, Clark, Ruck and Phelan and Sarah Vola in the midfield doing well. But I like when I see uh, Green and Ryan having good years for Donny East. It means they've got some run and some mm-hmm. movement around the flanks. Well, Jackson Green sort of gone on the radar. He's signing because he came from Marston last year when they were signing every AFL off-cut. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's been probably the best of those, those bunch. And Mitch Ryan's been a great junior that's come through the ranks. Yeah, so to uh, yeah, they, they just add a little bit. And when we talk about having players in all positions, um, that gives them a bit of dynamic movement that they need as long as they don't move it too fast for their own good sometimes. Wow, exactly. And Doncaster Race, that ground doesn't really, you know, if you move it too quick, you might move it too far. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, a good win for them. And, and yeah, Norwood, it's pretty much now that they'll have to go on an incredible winning streak, you'd think, to, to edge into the finals. Or But teams continue to trip over themselves in 2022. That's That seems to be the theme of the year. Every time you think you've got something sorted, uh, people trip over. The only thing you can rely on is Marubark, the only undefeated team in the whole competition um, that, I can, that I can think of off the top of my head with Sylvan's loss. Park Orchards and Berwick. Um, we have said all year, Ryan, that Berwick are going to pinch some wins. They're a lot better than second bottom. Um, obviously, they've tested Vermont and South Croydon and Roeville in recent weeks, and they got their win this week um, after beating North Ringwood before the bye. Um, and now Park Orchards, they, they had their measure all day. The Sharks came home with six goals to one in the last, uh, but eight goals to two in the first half from, from Berwick. Ashton Williamson kicked three, Bryce Rutherford two in a best-on-ground performance. Really strong performance from that club. Yeah, so, certainly. And I think we've said, you know, for a side that's 2-7-1 and one, or 1-7-1 one, and one before yesterday, they're a much better side than that. They haven't really been smashed by, by any standards. They've been Well, their percentage in, is much better than the Yeah, been, been within... Pretty much every game and, and patches look like they you know probably could have won a few of those. So it's good to see a bit of reward for for their effort there. And and you knew it was going to happen. You knew they were going to you know pinch a couple on the run home. And their side, I think you know I, I spoke about it when I when I did the the mid season review. I think they're a side that will play a part in what what sides finish in the top six because I think they're the ones that yeah can. well. Yeah, really. On that, the boat. so I don't know if you want to get their fixture up or even even I can do it here, but they're. I think they definitely will shape it. So they've got Doncaster East next week at home. So at home, Berwick, I think, can win any game, just yeah. given the, the unique size of that ground to, compared to the other division. Doncaster, they go in. I know Doncaster beat them early in the year, but Berwick had a lot more scoring shots, so you can consider them favourites. Baldwin, they've beaten before. Noble Park, that game, I think, out at Edmund Flack last yep. year, Gav saw was an absolute nail-biter. You would give consider Noble and Baldwin both favourites in those ones. South Croydon, they only lost by three goals in round one. Blackburn, they drew against, and then they'll be back out at home. Roeville, they tested. And then Northrig into the last round. You could easily see them pinching maybe one or two wins against a South Croydon or a Roeville or someone like that. And as Ryan said, shaping shaping the top six, but finishing about eighth or ninth, to be honest. Oh, or make finals based on what Wow. Oh. <laughs> I've basically got them winning all of them there, haven't yeah, I? That's it. <laughs> but I got on a bit in a run. But no, look, look they're, they're doing really well. And, and it would have been tough when they only had two points to their name going into going into round eight or whatever it was. And they've had, they, they, they certainly had a few retirements before the start of the season um, after last year. So yeah, it's a quite a young side. If they can stay up, they'll yeah. be really happy. They just got to. 
it's it's a it's a bit of a process again if they what's can. What's their percentage of players from previous comp? Um, I think that the list. Rutherford oh, the, the Rutherford definitely. Uh, the list itself is sort of, as Ryan's saying, a bit transition. So all those stars that won flags, I think they hung around for last year. They clung on for a year and then and then have retired or gone down the the leagues. If we're going to be a bit up ourselves here, um, so it's a very young side. So I think they're regenerating again using their juniors. They got, I think okay. they're 19s at top of the ladder. So they've got a great junior program and a fairly big pool um, of players to pick from. So. If they can stay up, they'll be in a pretty good position. And Park Orchard, just quickly, Josh, they'll be really disappointed because their percentage yeah. is 111, which is better than South Croydon's and definitely better than Blackburn's and Vermont's. So if they'd won yesterday, they'd be in seventh and knocking on the door. Yeah, and it now puts them a game and a half away from, from Blackburn who who picked up the victory. It's also the it? story of Park Orchard's year that they pretty don't much, take yeah. their opportunities. Yeah, they, they're they so close, but yet they're so far. And as well, they usually had... They usually have a lot of goal kickers, but yesterday they only had the six goal kickers. Andreas Everett leading the way with with six. Uh, Mason Whitney three, and, and and Connor Hickey and Kane Keppel as well with two. But you know, I think that's what hurt them. They didn't have many other options to mm. to kick goals as well. But it hurts them. I think it makes that. It also makes that you know push for finals a bit tougher. If for they'd won well. game the. Vermont, they lost by a goal or something like that. South Croydon, they lost by something similar. Norwood, we watched and they lost by un- uh, under a goal and had their opportunities. Um, and then, and then this one here, if that actually, and then Blackburn was another close one as well. So if they'd won even just three of those, they could be comfortably inside the top six. And and given the way that they actually score as well, um, Gav, you look at their scoring power. So they've scored, um, they average about eighty six points a game. Vermont, Blackburn, around sixty five. So. Clearly, they've got a bit more scoring power than those other two sides that are competing for sixth. They've blown their good start to the season mm. when we're talking them up because, yeah, the, if we talk about banking wins and qualifying, this is why well, you're playing good enough football. You, you've got mm. to split the difference sometimes and, and put yourself in. They could be where Donny East's live. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Blackburn have made a resurgence, so it's not out of the question that they start turning things around and, and getting wins, but. It seems like they've just blown the good start yeah, for the year. Like I said, if they'd even won three of those that they they had in dusting distance, they'd be they'd be fourth. Yeah, and and, and you know up there with the Bulls and and so so yeah, it's one of those ones where at the start of the year, if you'd said them, you'd be comfortably eighth. I'm sure they would have shaken your hand, but after the way they've played those opening ten rounds, they'd be a tiny bit disappointed. Uh, the last game. Uh, in this long final segment of the Eastland Monday Recovery. Blackburn and Doncaster, not a great spectacle, I'll be honest. Uh, 4.13 to 2.10 at three-quarter time before Blackburn kicked 1-4 to Doncaster's 2-1. So Donnie found their kicking boots a little bit too late. 47 to 35. Uh, Kyle has kicked two. He's having a great year. Mark Jamar, one. Uh, Lawler, two for Blackburn. Gray Conker and Talamburus kicked one. Um, Blackburn now, they've completely changed the way they play since those opening few weeks. We saw them, Gab, I think. They've, as Brendan Allen said last week, they've, they've figured out that they're not going to be able to match teams in a full-throttle approach. Um, but they're now sixth on the ladder. Uh, they don't score, but other teams don't see the score against them. Yeah. Um, it looks like they're just doing enough because they haven't beaten anyone above them. So I don't think they've played Rover yet, but they they'll haven't played be- next week. They haven't beaten Noble. They didn't beat Baldwin. Uh, they haven't beaten Doncaster East. Didn't beat South Croydon, but they have beaten Vermont, Park Orchards, Norwood, Doncaster, North Ringwood, and Drew with Berwick. So pretty much all Blackman are doing is just winning the ones they should. Well, the one thing they seem to do well is win the contest. It's exiting contest with uh, pace and having a marketing forward seems to be what they're lacking because they can defend well. They can. 
defend well in stoppages around the contest and they can win ascendancy there. But it's just the way they go forward, obviously. For a game that, if you add it all up, it was 9.28. You'd almost be asking for a rebate on the way out of my um, entry fee because it's not exciting footy. Well, do you reckon they handed back the ticket that <laughs> no. or it was a free beer after the game? Because, um, oh, look, it, look I, mate, it was windy yesterday, but... No, it's not. It's oh, it's a, not yeah, five seventeen to four the, eleven. I guess it is contagious, as Gab said. Bit of a virus out there, but Blackburn, Ryan, they're, they're, for all for what we saw those first two games, I think you know we will talk. You know, Spider had a long chat about whether they deserve to be in Premier Division <laughs> at one point <laughs> on a pre-game. I think he went off on a tangent, but um, as we do, they've done. Yeah, as we all do. As but they're they're now sixth, and and you, you I don't think you can. Like I said, they keep winning the games they should. Yeah, they're the only team doing what they should do. Well, yeah, unlike unlike a Park Orchards or or Norwood, they're pretty consistent when the sides around them and below them. So the, the destiny's in their hands now. They've they've got that six spot. The draw probably helps them out a bit. They don't have to worry about a percentage, which you know isn't you know a strong point for them. Obviously, Park Orchards got I think twenty twenty percent more than they do. Yep. So that's not really relevant. They can no, just focus the on on. Mm-hmm. Um, Continuing Winning. to win the games yeah. they they need to and should probably uh, well probably it'll be interesting because Roville suffocate teams Josh and Blackburn have obviously tried to start suffocating teams could we see a nil all draw next week that would be a lot of fun <laughs> out, there, out there but I, I think yeah they maybe in the last couple of weeks as well they they'd like to pick up potential scalpel to against a side higher than them you know well got, that would that would really boost their chances wouldn't it yeah and it would. It would definitely make them a lot more competitive, you know. They've got Roville, Baldwin, South Croydon, and, and Donny East, and in those last couple of weeks as well. So they have the opportunity, but yeah, I'm. I have a feeling that Brendan Allen will just be thinking, get those wins, pretty much. It bank pretty him. much bank them, and just yeah, pretty much lock away sixth spot and hope that you know sides around them like oh, one, and Park one, once you're in finals you, anything can happen but yeah look mm-hmm. Blackburn have done incredibly well to bounce back from a, a pretty poor opening fortnight but I guess when you want the marquee games sometimes it can it can work against you <laughs> gentlemen uh, Josh well done on your Eastland Monday recovery debut Gav Ryan uh, just old time is starting to starting to ease into this routine we want to thank uh, James Kentworthy two weeks into the job and already on the blower he sounded like he was standing by a train line, um, but we, we thank him. He's done uh, done the whole Division 4 of service, making it a little bit interesting down there. And Sean Stanton, who keeps fighting the good fight for Fair Park, and I think he's actually across the road now, Gav, uh, setting up the sign for the Sean Stanton stand. Uh, they've got the bronze statue ready to go, but no, we thank both our guests today on the Eastland Munna Recovery, and until next time, enjoy the footy. The most important clearance of the afternoon. So Haig won it down. Wignall got it. Can he get a handle away? He's going to burst away. He's going to run to 50. Low ball to the top of the goal square. McCormack! Oh, no. He's put it in! Oh, He's no. put it in! Oh, Wignall. He got through the Acosta Harvey tackle. Oh, no. Took a few paces and then speared it to low to McCormack. He's been good all day, Billy. He started the day with an almost hanger. Kicked the check side for right in front of us. Billy. He, can make a, he can make a name for himself. Billy, don't be a hero. Oh, I think they want him to be one now, Brad. 15 metres out. Billy McCormack's kicked it! Oh, you'll be a hero. 